Our scripture for today comes from Mark chapter 16, verses 1 through 8. Let us listen to God's word. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Salome bought spices so that they might go and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. They had been saying to one another, Who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance to the tomb? When they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled back. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. But he said to them, Do not be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He has been raised. He is not here. Look, there is the place they laid him. But go tell the disciples and Peter that he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. So they went out and fled from the tomb, for terror and amazement had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. I don't know if you know this, but the Gospel of Mark has a rather weird ending. It's a trick ending almost, which is appropriate when Easter falls on April Fool's Day. But... If you look in your Bible, you'll probably see something called the shorter ending and the longer ending. Other copies of Mark, they have this stuff added to the end, which to me makes sense. Chances are what happened, people read Mark, and it just ended. They said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. People reading that probably thought to themselves, that is a terrible ending. It's discouraging. It's not very hopeful, and it's confusing, like most Oscar-nominated films. <laughs> Discouraging, not very hopeful, and confusing. So they tried to fix it by adding on what happened next. No, Jesus is really alive. The disciples go and preach the good news. It's a happy ending. But that covers up Mark's point. Mark ends the story of Jesus with terror and amazement so intense, it strikes the disciples speechless. A few weeks ago, I saw a mouse in one of the bedrooms of our house. A mouse. Stuart Little had decided to come in my house and set up camp near the clothes drawer. That is a clothes drawer, not drawer like pants, like Southerners like to say, but a clothes drawer, a dresser. I saw it, and in the moment that I saw it, I froze. It was the kind of freeze where the air escapes your lungs, where you don't remember how to breathe anymore. So I'm trying to find my pulse again, so I shut the door and I leave little Jerry, Tom the cat's friend, to his own devices. I decide in this moment to call my husband, because there's a mouse in the house. And when there is a mouse in the house, other than blowtorching the house down, there is not much by way of rational thinking. He answers the phone, and I say, mouse, stuttering because I'm terrified. I just keep repeating, mouse in the, ho mouse in the house, 
To which he wittily responds, cat in the hat. <laughs> no, Brian. There is a mouse in our house. You need to come home right now and take care of it. And then he says to me, well, why don't you just go kill it? Me? Kill the mouse? Obviously, my husband has not seen the movie Witches. I don't know if you've seen it. Where the witch turns into a mouse after eating soup and is stomped on, and then green goop goes everywhere. So I say to him on the phone, I cannot kill it. Green stuff will spray out. We will have to burn the house down because there will be green group all over my furniture. He laughs, confused, because he has no idea what I'm talking about, and he thinks in this moment that I'm joking. But this face, this face is not joking. This face is scared that this mouse is going to radio the rescuers and call his other mice friends over. But of course, my husband cannot see my face because we are on the phone. So he asked, trying to calm me down, where, where is the mouse? In the bedroom. He's in the bedroom by the clothes drawer. But I don't know where he is now because I shut the door. I was so scared of him. I'm sure he's scurried somewhere else by now. And at this point, my husband doesn't have to say anything to explain that I should probably open the door to see where our little Stuart friend has gone. So I begrudgingly open the door inch by inch, very, very slowly, so slow, I can hear my husband asking if I'm still on the phone. The mouse is there when I open the door in the exact same spot as before. It's dead. So I shut the door again. The mouse is dead. Brian, we have a dead mouse in our house. So then I start to cry a little bit because what if it really was Stuart Little and now all of his future dreams are gone? My husband, trying in this moment to be a voice of reason, says, go scoop the mouse up with a piece of paper and throw it away. I have a meeting to go to. So I hung up the phone on him because obviously I am alone in this. I am alone in this, and I have to be the brave one. So I grab a piece of paper, which, really? A piece of paper? Can you just see the mouse falling through the piece of paper onto the floor, right? But in my state of terror, my husband told me to get a piece of paper, so I got a piece of paper. And then I decide to talk to myself, because I have to be brave, and I say, Micah, Today is the day you will remove a dead mouse from your house. And then I bolted down the door, went charging in like a knight in shining armor with a piece of paper, screaming like the warrior woman I am. I charge up onto this dead mouse in my house, and I realize, I realize it's not a mouse. <laughs> nope. Not a mouse at all. It is a tiny toy elephant. The dog's toy. So I nod to myself, and I do what any one of us in here would do. I say to myself, we shall never tell a soul about this. And I took that toy elephant and I threw it away. A few hours later, my husband comes in from his meeting and goes, how did the mouse removal thing go? 
And I looked at him straight in the face and I said, consider it handled. <laughs> Terror and amazement consumed me that day. A mouse in the house will do that. Multiply that feeling by ten, by a thousand. When three ladies arrive at Jesus' tomb, they expect to find a dead body. His body is in that tomb. It must be dead. People stay dead. Three ladies are sure there is a mouse in the house. And then their world is turned upside down when they find an empty tomb and an angel telling them that Jesus is not there. Terror and amazement seize them, and they say nothing to anyone. An empty tomb will do that. The truth of Easter is that what we thought was a mouse isn't. We don't need to be afraid what we thought was death isn't, not in Christ anyway. What we think we understand isn't at all what it looks like because when Jesus is put on the cross, God heaps on him all the sins of the world, all the guilt and fear and shame, all the broken hearts, broken homes, broken dreams. He heaps them all on Jesus and loaded with the power of sin and darkness, death and despair, Jesus dies. His body is broken and beaten and then it is taken down and placed in a tomb. That is the world we know, where death has the final word, where we struggle against our jealousy and our pride and our fear. We struggle against the evil in the world, and we cannot seem to win, where disease and age wreak havoc, people grow apart. In this world, even God ends up dead, lying alone in a cold tomb. But the mouse is not a mouse. Things are not what they look like, not at all. You know, when Jesus is raised to life, the only ones who saw him after his resurrection were his followers. No public appearances. Only people who had followed him saw him after he was resurrected. Now, if I were running the show, I would have had Jesus go around to every grocery store, go back to Pilate's Hall and say, Hey, Pontius, do you want another shot at it? That's how I would run the show. But if you read the New Testament, nobody saw him after his resurrection except for his followers. Which means... That if the world is going to believe it, they're going to believe it because you and I believe it and because you and I testify to it. We cannot expect the culture or society in general to sustain the real meaning of Easter. We can't. Because Easter is a Christian word, a Christian belief, and a Christian commitment. Easter is the church's message. It is for the church to say. So what are we going to say? Will we leave the empty tomb like those three ladies on Easter morning, saying nothing to anyone? Jesus was dead. He was dead. His friends will tell you he was dead. His mother will tell you he was dead. And yet... We believe that God gives life to the dead. You and I, dead in our trespasses and sins, God has made alive. We can feel it.
Death is not what it looks like. Not for those in Christ anyway. Death is hard. If you love something enough, death will break your heart. But for those who follow Jesus Christ, death isn't what it looks like. Death is the moment God takes something that was dead in sin, wipes it clean from dirt and the dust of painful years, and breathes into it full and eternal life. Do you believe that God has made you alive? Do you believe it? And if you do, can you think of a way of saying that to someone? Because we cannot be a church that runs from an empty tomb silent. If the world is going to believe it, they will believe that God can bring life out of sin and death only because you and I believe it and you and I testify to it. The country of Iceland is said to have been named by a Norwegian Viking, a man who showed up to settle this new land with three ravens to help him find his way, which is an epic image, a Norwegian Viking and his three ravens sailing the seas. But why the name Iceland? From my understanding, Iceland is a beautiful place. It's green and it's luscious. There's good fishing, great weather. But a place named Iceland doesn't exactly draw in new tourists. So as the story goes, this Norwegian Viking showed up to this new country, saw how beautiful it was, thought to himself, I hope nobody else comes here because then it'll end up like New York City or London and nobody wants that. So he named it Iceland, a way to repel other settlers a way to keep it for himself. I don't know if there's any truth to this naming of Iceland, but it certainly is intriguing. Iceland, a name to scare off visitors. Haven't some churches been doing the same thing? We follow this God who has been raised to life, who has defeated sin and death, and we've named ourselves Iceland. A place where everything is sad and painful. A place where everything is broken, lifeless, devoid of fun. We are about sin and graves. But we're not. We are not about sin. We are about the freedom from sin. And we are not about graves. We are about empty graves. Sometimes the church's good news is so small, it fits into a nice little teacup. Instead of being a place where people can come for new life, for forgiveness, for hope, for resurrection, a place where God is literally changing the world, we become a place instead that is nice and polite. But we don't follow a God who is just nice and polite. We follow a God who died for our freedom and is calling us to newness of life. We cannot take a taste of heaven and call it Iceland. So, my charge today is when we go out of here, when we leave the tomb with the two Marys and Salome, we will not keep silent. We will not leave the tomb hiding the good news of the cross because the mouse is not a mouse because the tomb is an empty tomb. 
Because sometime before sunrise today, God raised from among the dead Jesus of Nazareth. You can be amazed. You can even be terrified. But you cannot be silent. Because this is our good news to share. Let us pray. Lord, we see your good news of resurrection. We see how you turn death into life. And today we stand with you asking that you turn our lives into the fullness of life as well. As we follow you, might we proclaim the good news of the gospel to anyone who will listen, testifying to your goodness, your forgiveness, your mercy, and most of all, to your love. In your holy name we pray. Amen.